Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. It's wonderful to be back and to be with you guys. You know, this whole COVID thing, I think, you know, like when we read about the Black Plague and all of that, and they like put Vaseline to prevent themselves getting the Black Plague, and we look at it now and go like, oh, they were so dumb. In 10 years from now, we're going to look at ourselves on some of the stuff we're doing and go like, oh, I can't believe that's, we thought that would help. But uh, anyway, it is such a privilege. And uh, <clears throat> whenever I come, I was with uh, Becky and Bryant and say, you know, I always have like something that I'm certain of. You know, like we need to do this. This is what we need to do. And uh, this time, <clears throat> I just want to tell you straight up front, I don't know what we should do. Like, I don't know. And at the same time, I'm so excited. It's probably the least I've known ever in my life. It should be going the other way, but it's not. You know, when I look at Scripture now, things that I was like, I know what this means. Now I'm like, I'm not sure what this means, but Lord, would you help me? And uh, it has been a humbling year. Anybody else? It has been a humbling year for sure. Things that we were we thought we knew things that we thought were dependable suddenly weren't. But God is so faithful. God has been so faithful. And I'm excited to talk with you today about the perfect church. How to build the perfect church. Now, I'm going to need your help. And that's why I've got a, a whiteboard here. Um, <clears throat> Bryant, would you mind coming and writing on the board? My handwritings, it's not blessed by the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> when I say uh, the perfect church, what thoughts immediately come to mind? Now, please don't shout out churchy answers. Shout out honest answers. I'm going to tell you about some honest conversations we had in our church, and it's going to set you free to actually speak the truth instead of what you think everybody wants to hear or the pastor wants to hear. What's the answer? It's Jesus. No, sometimes the answer isn't Jesus. It's something else. It's like you know, wash your hands or whatever it might be. But we have to learn to be honest with each other. If we can't be honest here, I mean, what's the point? So, perfect church, first thought that comes to your mind, shout it out. Yes. Broken people getting healed. Okay, great. What else? Miracles. Confrontation. Fellowship. Acceptance, love, mission, vulnerability, yes, trusting God no matter what. Now, those are all wonderful, but nobody said snack bar. Really? You want a perfect church and have no coffee? Are you serious? What I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, Sometimes, and all of those are excellent answers and they're all right, but sometimes we are, we are thinking too hard spiritually that we miss the practicality. Like when we say, what do you need, right? And you, you're freezing cold and you're like, no, I need prayer for my heart because my heart's far from God. Yes, and you need a jacket. You hear what I'm saying? We spiritual people living in a physical place and we have to reconcile the both of those. If you honest, and, and thank you. Now, you've missed some there. There was at least six more. <laughs> if you are honest, thank you, Bright. 
something else that needs to be said about that word perfect church. There is no perfect church. There will never be a perfect church this side of heaven. God's coming back for his bride. But until we are sitting with him in heaven, there will never be a perfect church. Which means we are always going to be making mistakes, messing up, upsetting one another, offending one another, preaching wrong, whatever it might be. And we have to be okay with the fact that we are never going to be a perfect church. If you are looking to marry the perfect woman, I've got bad news. You can marry a wonderful woman, a great woman, if you are looking for the perfect man. You know, once, firstly, that's subjective. You go through different countries of what the perfect man is. In one country, it's, you know, someone who's very rich. And in another country, it's someone who's very rich. There is no such thing. But we come with expectations to our gatherings expecting something that can never be given. No matter how well Pastor Steve preaches, and he is one of the best, he will never be perfect. He's never going to explain things perfectly. And if you're waiting to catch him, you're going to succeed. If you're waiting to catch me today, you are going to win. Because we are looking for something that doesn't exist. But what we can build can be something beautiful when we look at these things. But can we do it? So let me show you some pictures of the perfect church. Every worship leader under 30. When someone at, word gives you, at, at church gives you a word and it doesn't make any sense to you. Has that happened to anyone? Someone's like, I got a word for you. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what they mean, but I don't want to say anything because then I'm not going to look spiritual. Yes, thank you. That's perfect. When the pastor says, open your Bibles to Leviticus. Who said that pastoring a church is stressful? I'm 42 and feel great. <laughs> Let me take a chance to honor all the elders in this church. If you are not paying attention to what is going on, pastors, elders, leaders are falling like flies. I personally know two pastors that just decided to quit their church and walk away because of the, the pain, the stress, you know, the stuff that goes on with the body. The, the... It's because people are just never happy. You say, okay, let's wear masks, and then the people who don't want to wear masks are upset. So you say, okay, let's not wear masks, and the people who want to wear masks are upset. Then you say, just do what you want, and then everybody's upset. You just can't win. You hear what I'm saying? Because we don't approach it like what we're supposed to be a family. We're approaching it like an organization. But how do we build a church that brings our heart to life? So let me ask you this question. List of people volunteering for children's ministry. For most people, that's torture. Oh, no, I got the phone call today. They've asked me to volunteer. I have to play sick. Oh, I got the COVID. I can't come in for two weeks. Maybe they'll forget. Now, Brian, I'm going to need you again, please. How do you define church? Don't give me the churchy answers. How do you define church? Just what's in your heart. Don't tell me what's in someone else's heart. Who, who would shout out? Community. Community. Okay. 
Love. Okay, when you say I'm going to church, what, are you, what is that in your mind? When you say I'm going to church, what is that? I'm going to worship. Okay, yes. A group of believers. Okay, a group of believers. What else? How do you define church? When you're telling your non-church friend that doesn't speak Christianese and you say, I'm part of a church. And they're like, cool, what is that? Never heard of that. A family of faith, right? Have you heard that song, Take Me to Church? That, that singer's definition is a little different. So what I'm saying is we have to define what we're talking about because church doesn't mean what church means. Now it's something else. What else? Anybody else? Happiness. Okay. Help one another. Okay. Good stuff. Now, what am I getting at? Many of us will say, you know, church is not a building, but we treat it very much like a building. It's a destination, even though we know to say the right words. Is church this? And happiness, you're spot on. But is, is this really the place you come to, to be happy? How many of you, like, after we've gathered together, you're just like, that was incredible. That was better than anything else I could have done. If we're honest, not really. So uh, I've been feeling some things about our church. Now, we're six church plants, and I started the church, so I'm allowed to say whatever I want. <laughs> so I've been feeling things about the church, and Sunday would roll around, and I'm like, oh, no, it's Sunday. Like, I'm so bored. It's, it's so hard. I don't want to preach. I have to see the same people over and over again. Like, I'm struggling. Now, you never want to hear your pastor say that, but many pastors are thinking, I just want you to know. So anyway, I'm sitting at lunch with one of the other elders, and he says, Brent, I need to tell you something. Uh, my kids, they don't want to come to church anymore. And I said, Jason, I need to tell you something. Neither do mine. <laughs> now you say, oh, that's terrible. No, because we are forcing into building something that isn't really the church. You see, when you take kids that, that, whose minds are vibrant and they want to explore and they want to see the world and we talk about all the stuff that God has done and created and the way He moves, but then we just want to lecture them all the time. You have to realize that we're going to fail in our, in our pursuit. But then you think a little bit beyond the kids. What about you? Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but how many of you would say, I'm bored in church and not because... Uh, the pastors, the elders are doing anything wrong, but because we are created for something more, but we don't know what that more is. We don't know how to find that more. We're scared to step out for that more. You hear what I'm saying? And this is the way that it's always been done. So we've done something pretty crazy that we are about to embark on, and that's why my first thing out of my mouth was saying, I don't know what we're doing. I'm not standing here telling you, you need to change everything. We've got the answer. I'm telling you, we don't know what we're doing. But all we know is we have to make a change. We have to make a change. So we are combining two of our church plants into something called Adventure Church. And at the end, I'll share a little more as I, I show you a video. But how do you define church is a very important question. We know it's the body of believers. We know it's the group of people meeting with singleness of purpose around God. But where can church be? And does it have to look like this with some guy on a stage speaking? 
Well, we're going to turn to Scripture to find out those things. What is the purpose of church? Answer for me. Brian, sorry. Stop leaving the stage. <laughs> no, this is the last time. What is the purpose of church? Shout out for me. Who knows? What is the purpose of church? Like, why do we even have church? Encouraging each other. What else? Community. Accountability and growth. Sorry? Meet needs. Give glory to God. We were told to meet. Very good. Get closer to heaven. Now, let me pick on that point. And yes, you're right. If church is supposed to be the trailer to heaven, how many of you are excited to go to heaven and do this forever? <laughs> Come be honest. If I'm, I asked the kids, I said, I, I love my son. I said, who do you think, if you don't give me the answer that you think dad wants to hear, who do you think is more exciting, God or the devil? And all the other kids are like, God, God. And my son's like, the devil. Because if you look at who's having all the fun, it's not the church. And not hedonism that we're just seeking our own pleasure. But who is enjoying life to the most as it appears? It's not the church. We got to hang out with some brothers and sisters this week while we were here. And we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Just being together, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in each of us as we spoke through things. And it just overflowed. What should it be like when we gather together and a preview of heaven, a taste of heaven, happiness, joy, laughter, and all these other things, accountability and all of those things. But if you ask most people what they think about church and if they're honest, what are they going to say? What do you think? Not this church, obviously. Another church, the ones down valley. What are they going to say? <laughs> Boring. Do you wake, I'm not, don't raise your hands. Do you wake up on a Sunday, like me, of my own church that I plotted and go, oh, I've got to go to church. If you do, something has to change. Because here's the thing. God is phenomenal. He's incredible. When we talk about His creation and all of these things, it should make our hearts come alive. When we talk about gathering with His people, something should explode in our hearts. So if that's not happening, what are we doing wrong? Okay, let me ask you some personal questions, and if you can just do it quickly. When last did you connect with God in a very special way? And I'll give you, um, I'll give you an example, the men's retreat that... The church takes. What's the men's group called? Engage. How many of you have been away with the men and you had an encounter with God out while you were cycling or hunting or, you know, when they dance around the fire naked, whatever they do? How many of you had a connection with God out there? Chris? Andy? Billy? Right? Why was that? Why do you think that was? When you were out there, that you had this moment with God that you may not have had regularly when we gather. Why is that? Who knows? Everybody's being real. Good. What else? Different expectations. And what else is happening on those men's trips? And the woman like, I don't know. I've been trying to find out all this time. You're having fun. 
You go to enjoy one another. You go to be real. You go, you know, you, 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 you're looking at, the, you're cycling, you're sweating, you're doing all these things. What about the, the women's retreats? When you have these encounters with God and you've just been sitting around for two hours, sipping coffee and talking about, I don't know, I've never been on one. I'm just making it up. But then something happens and, and God starts to move in the midst of a situation that doesn't look like church. Because the church is the gathered body of Christ and it is essential. But how we gather and where we gather and why we gather is what we need to revive again. Do you know the psychological, uh, even psychology agrees the importance of being in community. And when we started isolating, it was the worst possible thing that we could have done. It kills people on the inside. We are made for community. We are made to be together. You can't have accountability without other people. You can't have encouragement. I mean, you can. You can look in the mirror and say things to yourself, but it's not the same. Remember what the purpose of church is. Okay, so let's read. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's pause there. What's the purpose of us gathering together? Let's motivate one another. Right? When I'm hanging around Billy, I'm motivated. When I'm reading stuff that he's doing, I'm motivated. Let's motivate one another. To acts of kindness and love. It's not just about hearing a sermon to add to my knowledge bank of things that I'm never going to do. It would be better if we gathered together with the purpose of motivating one another. And that's what's happening when we get out and we go on retreats and all of these things. We go with a different mindset of, I'm going to go be part of something, contribute something, give something, encourage one another. If you see some guy fall off his bike, you're stopping your bike to help him up. But in church, if you see something happen, you're just staying in your chair. This is why it's so different. But we are the gathered body. You with me? Let us not neglect our meeting together. Right here, we can't forsake meeting together. It is so important, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are called to encourage one another. Psychologically, I think we believe the church is about a sermon. That's why we can watch online. Because I just need to get the sermon. But you know what you can't do online? Is fellowship. And encourage one another. And, and, and feel what people are feeling. And, and smile at someone from across the room. And walk over to somebody and say, how are you doing? And whatever that might be. You hear what I'm saying? We have to. This is what church is about. When I'm part of a church, it should be such a privilege. It should be like... I made it in. Like, I'm in. I'm at Crossroads Church. Like, I'm in, everybody. I'm part of that group. They're like, oh, you're so lucky. I've been trying to get in. Derek won't let me in. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's just a thing that we come and barely partake of for the most part. Because there's some things that have to shift all over the world for church that's been handed down that we've just accepted. And I want to tell you again, well, what do we do, Brent? I don't know. I don't know. But at first we have to recognize that we've got to do something. 
And then what do you do? Well, Scripture says to ask, seek, and knock. Do you know what ask, seek, and knock is? They're all unknown things. If I'm asking, it's because I don't know. If I'm seeking, it's because I don't know what the answer, where it is. And if I'm knocking, I'm not sure what's on the other side. And this is faith in approaching for God to lead us. And you know what it does do? It puts our pride on the ground to say, God, would you lead us rather than me knowing exactly how to run and what to do. And the other thing about this is this wasn't a Sunday thing. This was a lifestyle thing. This is a daily thing. You with me? How about this one? About these gatherings. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Not fill your Sunday. Not fill the sermon. Not fill the worship. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. That has got nothing to do with the Sunday. That's got nothing to do with the Wednesday. This is an everyday thing. Are you counseling each other? Are you loving one another? In all its richness, right, of what Christ has given, He's giving you wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And as you read that, you're like, come on, Derek. Do it. You do it. Right? When last did you call someone up and say, just hang on, and then just start singing to them on the phone? It'll be weird at first. But what does this look like? I don't even know what this looks like to do it in a normal context of lives and, and, you know, whatever these things are. But we have to go before the Lord and say, how do we do this rather than just ignoring it completely? This is an instruction of what the gathered body looks like. And gathered body can be two and four and six and eight at different parts in, of, of the week. And by the time we're all gathering together, it's such a celebration that we are having to limit the number of testimonies and prophecies and all of these things because everybody is so jazzed about what God is doing during the week. You hear what I'm saying? With thankful hearts. This is a key part of what it means to be part. I'm part of a community that has my back. I'm part of a community that loves me no matter what I do. And no matter what's going on. And I'm not talking about that I'm going to just blatantly sin and never repent. I'm talking about that when I fall, the first people who should be there is the church. Instead of the church coming out with tar and feathers. As the church has done many times to people who have fallen and made mistakes. When a pastor falls, the way the, the, the body reacts is a big indication of what the church is really like. And it's ugly. That church should have gathered around their general, their leader, whatever, to, to protect and help. But they're not. They're the ones shooting even more arrows. You with me? So how does this change? Well, it starts with us. It has to start with us. How about this one? They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We've taken this model as a house church, and I think we're wrong. I don't think this is a house church. This is just life. You hear what I'm saying? This is just them doing life together. And out of that came churches and came different things and discipleship. But this was just, and I got to experience that this week. We just had meals together that were, it was such a celebration as we spoke through different things. You with me? All the while praising God and enjoying, this is important, and enjoying the goodwill of all people. 
There's your happiness. There's your joy. There's the excitement of, of being together. And then the Lord added. You know how the Lord added? Because people are like, I want to be part of that. Rather than people like, no, I don't want to go to church. It's crazy. You're judgmental, mean. Take my money. It should be, if this truly is a preview of heaven, man, I've got to tell you, I want to live as long as I can. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, as I've had conversations with the kids, I think they feel that. They think they're going to be stuck in an eternal worship service. Like, oh my gosh, when's this going to end? Never. We're worshiping for eternity. Oh. Heaven is going to be phenomenal. We forget that God created the most wonderful things on earth for us to enjoy. And sometimes we, we're working so hard for the Father in the business that we forget to enjoy what he has given us in doing so. That we can do both at the same time. Right? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, pause there. I was talking about this with, uh, with Dan yesterday. What are those gifts? Well, if you can greet, you can make coffee. You know what I'm saying? There's like five or six in order to serve the church properly. If you don't have those, just sit there, be quiet, take notes. We have an ex-major league baseball player, Kip Wells, number 32, in our church. He's a big deal. No, he's, he's such a lovely guy. But, you know, all his experience, his life, he trained for baseball. He's a pitcher. He's all of these things. And, you know, he's on our deacon team. And there's nothing really for him to do because his skill set is not what the church needs. You know, I'm saying like on a Sunday, which is wrong, but it's where we're at. So we had a church uh, softball tournament, and I asked him, well, it, he actually came up with the idea, and he wanted to, to lead it out. After we had spoken about, uh, you know, what's your cheesecake? Like, what do you have to bring? What, what, you know, what's in your heart? And so he said he can do a, a softball tournament. And he came alive. He organized this, and it was such a blessing to the church. Our fellowship, our happiness, our laughter, our joy, our, you know, all of this stuff that was happening. He came alive because finally there was a place for him to serve with his gifting. But for the church in general, across the world, we don't engage people in their real gifting. We try to take their, their real power gifting and just put it into a slight churchy version. You hear what I'm saying? Churches have great businessmen that can command companies of billions. And then in church, we're like, yes, would you write notes on the board? <laughs> Bright gifts are not to write notes on the board. He's, he's far bigger than that. He's mindful business. He's, his work ethic, all of these things. We have to engage him in a way where he can explode with what God has given. You hear what I'm saying? And that doesn't happen in here, which means we have to shift our, our, our understanding of what church is to expand it into business and into all these things to realize this church is going out. You with me? And this is where it has to shift. This can't be the greatest moment of the week. This has to be another wonderful moment of the week. 
but it's all the church happening and going out. And we're saying, man, how can I support your business? And how can I support your bakery? And how's it going at the school with the teaching? And how can the church get behind these things? Do you see the shift, what I'm, what I'm saying? And they should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let your gifts come alive. Do you know why men are dying in church? Because they're bored. Because they have these gifts. Right? We have a, a, a guy on our deacon team and he's super bored. And I said, bro, what's your cheesecake? He's like, I love to fish. I said, like, well, let's go fishing. Take some guys and take them fishing and then commit that to the Lord and say, Lord, would you use this moment? And his eyes came alive because now what, his, what God, the passion God had put in his heart was going to be used. You with me? You mean I can go on a Sunday and take people fishing? You're the church. Take them and commit their time to God. Go out and do these things. Now, there's two sides to every coin. You keep doing that and isolate yourself, then you're going to create new problems. But it's this beautiful balance of going out and coming in and sharing and growing and leaning on people and being corrected and being accountable. You hear what I'm saying? It's this beautiful organism called the church. Now, all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. How many of you think about this as the church? Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want, if, if you can remember one thing, that God wants for your heart to come alive, to explode. This is the encouragement. He wants to do infinitely more than you could ask or imagine. And this is what we're spurring everybody onto. What more than you could ask or imagine. I, uh, this, uh, earlier this year, uh, and, I, and I really do think it was the Lord who gave me the idea, but we had built an app for the church. And uh, we were away. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, we were all in one bed. At, uh, we, had, we had gone away to get away. We had walked through some very hurtful things through COVID and people and, and all of that stuff. And, and God gave me an idea that was so thick. That's the only thing that I can describe it as. It was just an idea. I didn't see blueprints or any of those cool things. Or An angel didn't whisper in my ear. Heavens didn't open up. I just had a thought that was so thick that I just understood everything that needed to change in the application in order to take it to where it needed to be. And we, and we launched a new social media platform, right? And... Uh, <clears throat> All along the way, I was like, Lord, if you're in this, if you're in this, if you're in this, if you're in this. One of the elders said that the church needs to invest in this to get behind this. And so the church invested money in the application so that we could launch and we could hire developers and we could do all of these things. This is the point that I'm making. Then another investor came and bought the church out. What they had invested for double what they had invested. So the church made double on their money. And this platform got launched. 
But this is a taste of the power of the church, of what we can do when we get behind the things that God is doing. You hear what I'm saying? If we're helping to launch businesses and, we, and we're helping to, for people to achieve their dreams and we're doing all of these things, it's not just about singing songs and hearing a sermon. It's about letting this come to life and for our hearts to come alive. That's what it means to be part of His church. And all the while reaching people for Him and seeing their hearts come alive and counseling and teaching and all of that as we go. You with me? You hear what I'm saying? Wouldn't that be exciting to be part of something like that? This is why they have conferences, you know, where you can take your small business and little businesses or helping little businesses. And something the Mormons have done incredibly well is this. They help one another to succeed in business where, the Christ, where Christians, for the most part, don't. You hear what I'm saying? Because they've realized the power in helping one another develop and grow. Because as they succeed, everybody succeeds. Now, I'm not saying go Mormon. I'm just giving you an example. I know I'll get that email. Don't you worry. Sorry, would you pause it for me? One sec. Now, a little prelude to this. My boy, he is he's so much like me. And I've tried so many ways to engage him. And uh, this was actually my wife's idea. And uh, Pastor, if you want to come up with, uh, with the team. And we were reading Wild at Heart, which is an old book. Um, and we started reading it. And let me tell you what, God did some beautiful things in my heart. And then I was telling my wife about this one chapter, chapter 5 specifically. And she read chapter 5. And she said to me, I think you and Joshy should go get dirt bikes. What type of a wife says that? She's like, I think this was, you know, maybe a month or, or, or two ago that she said this. Uh, I might be wrong on the date, but some time ago. She's like, I think you should get them for Christmas was her specific words. And I'm like, that's a great idea. I went out that day and bought. <laughs> and then I realized I have no way to transport these bikes around. So then I bought a truck. And she couldn't say anything because it was her idea. <laughs> so this, this video that you are about to see, I have done many things with my son for his heart to come alive for God. There is nothing greater that I want for my children, for them to know God for themselves and to experience Him. And it's one of the main reasons why we've started the church was so that our kids could have a chance to experience God outside of a, you know, just a cookie cutter corporate type of uh, model that we could do things and that and we and we even missed it trying with that but here's the thing is i'm not scared of failure i'm not scared to pivot have you ever seen the way gillette the best a man can get razor which i obviously didn't use today but did you ever see how they started and the evolution of how it changed and changed and changed and changed to get to where it is today but yet the church hasn't changed for hundreds of years because we're scared of change. We're scared to break the mold. Where in business, you have to change or you won't survive. And they get better and better and refined and refined. And this is what we have to realize is, I don't care people thinking I'm a useless pastor because I don't like my own church. It's probably true. But I'm not scared to change and shift things around. And so 
We got these bikes, and this video is the first time that we are riding these bikes. It's the first time I'm ever riding with my son. I hadn't ridden a bike for years and years and years, maybe 10 years uh, in, 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 in this now, which has just happened a little while ago. And him and I, I race from work, and I take him, and it's about 4.30 by the time we put wheels down. We're at this extreme park, never been there before. And so I think we're just going to ride around and... You know what I mean? How big can it be? We'll just do a loop and come back. And so I've got no phone. I've got nothing. I've got no water because I think it's just a small loop. We're going to go around and ride together. And, uh, and then I'll tell you the rest. Go ahead. I see lots. Can you pause it there? If you can. Now, what happened there was I laid my bike down because I had ridden to where I thought the lights were, and I, all I'd found was a pumping station out in the middle of nowhere that was nothing. And we were in this, this forest. I didn't even know Houston had forests. And we were in the middle of a forest. We had gone off the track, and we had gone in between the trees to go to these lights that I thought was a way out, and now we were completely stuck. And unfortunately, I left my helmet and everything that was recording there that you can't hear what happens next, but you will see uh, another piece. But I walk down to Josh because I can't even see where he is now. And I go to him and I say, my boy, we're in, we're in some trouble here. Uh, I said, I need you to stick with me. I think I may have said there's a 30% chance that we're going to die. <laughs> and, and he says to me, you know, and I love our boy. I've seen him in church and all of these things, and he's bored, and, and he says, Dad, can we pray? And normally that means I should pray or I should do something, and he launches into a prayer that I can tell you it, brought, it, it made me want to cry. As he cried out to the Father, and he asked for God to rescue us and for a miracle to happen, and we had not seen another person in two and a half hours. There was nobody at that park when we arrived, and we arrived late. We had not seen anybody, and we are now in the forest, and we are stuck. And I don't think we would have died, but we were definitely going to be sleeping there that night because you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, as you see. And I'm looking for him and everything like that. 
And he prays this, Lord, would you send somebody with lights to lead us out of this place? And then this is what happens. And listen to what the guy says when, when he comes. Go ahead. Thank you. Boy, are we happy to see some lights. <laughs> I thought those lights were led somewhere. They led nowhere. I go, I go in the front. If you want to go in the middle for the light, she's on the right Thank you. Thank you so much. You want to go to the parking lot, right? Parking lot. There you go, boy. That's my first time. This is my first time right here, but I have lights. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can pause it there. Did you hear what he just said there? He said, this is my first time I've ever been here. There was no reason for that guy to have driven up through the trees to find us. We were in complete darkness and not like he could see us. And him and his daughter had driven up through the trees and they found us and they led us out to the parking lot. And I don't know if angels are Hispanic or whatever it is. But all I know is this, that my son saw a miracle that night. And it wasn't that we just went out riding. Daniela and I had prayed together for this time for God to be part of this. She had prayed all day when we were going out. Joshua and I had prayed before we ever got on our bikes. And we had invited him in. And in that moment, it wasn't sitting in church. And I'm not saying it can't happen that way. I'm just saying. In that moment, my son got to connect with God in an undeniable way where God reached out and he brought people on four wheelers where there was no reason for them to be there. So, as we end this service, I want to ask you, is your heart alive for God? And it's not just in the ways that you think. He wants to engage you in a forest dirt biking. Now, don't confuse that with just going skiing and apart from God, we were very purposeful about what Scripture says of everything that we were doing, bringing God into it, asking God to redeem it, giving us opportunities and moments and whatever it might be. But in that forest, we met with God in an undeniable way that when I talked to my son about it, his face lights up. He has to fight the smile because he saw a miracle that had nothing to do with his dad. It was between him and God. He prayed, and a minute later, here these four wheelers came through the trees. And I didn't even say a good goodbye to them. I was so relieved when, <laughs> when we reached the park lot. I gave the guy knuckles, and I drove off. And then they disappeared as quickly as they had arrived. I'm not saying they were angels. They were our angels for sure. But I do know that God used those people for my son to bring his heart to life. And now... My wife hurt her neck. Who's the first person saying, can we pray? It's my boy. You hear what I'm saying? And this is what I'm talking about. As we gather together, we have to expand the view of what that looks like. And this is our church. So today, as, as we have a time of ministry, pastor, as we have this time, I want you to be honest with yourself. Where is your heart? Is your heart alive for God? The wonder, exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or imagine. The things that you have dreamed about. The things that he has put within you that you've just put it aside because it doesn't fit in with the current model of church. And the current model of church needs to change. Because those gifts that he's put inside of you, if it's painting, if it's building, 
are. You know, if it's stock trading, if it's, I don't know, everything. It's everything. It's including everything. We have to expand that to be part of the church. If it's management, hospitality, whatever those things are. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.